Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. A very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Monday's edition of the programme. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Anything you want to chat to us about, we'd love to hear from you. You can also text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And I suppose the big, big news story of the weekend was despite fears it causes blood clots, there's no reason to stop using AstraZeneca's COVID-19 vaccine. That's the, what's coming from the World Health Organisation. However, several countries including ourselves here in Ireland suspended the rollout following a number of feared side effects and to outline what is going on I'm joined by Dr Elizabeth Brint who is immunologist at University College Cork. Good morning to you Elizabeth. Good morning Patricia. And you are welcome to the programme. Now we've temporarily paused I think is the term that's been used the use of AstraZeneca. Can you just outline why? Yes so this started last week with a couple of European countries temporarily suspending administration of the vaccine over reports of, an, of a, a, a potential, and that's very important, a potential association between um, blood clotting and, um, and administration of the vaccine. Now, then over the weekend, the Norwegian Medicines Agency uh, announced that they had detected four unusual blood-related events in a younger cohort who had been administered the vaccine. And as a result of that, NIAC, the um, National Immunisation Advisory Committee, have temporarily suspended administration of the AstraZeneca vaccine in this country. And we would, and it it is, it's a pause for reflection. It's um, a pause for information gathering, really, more so than reflection. Uh, So we need to just gather some information regarding this before we proceed. It's a safety first principle, really. So in order to maintain public confidence with the vaccine, we are pausing it so that we can confirm to the public that everything is as safe as it should be. So very much the right thing to do. It's a it's a very cautious approach. It's a hyper cautious approach. It's the approach, approach that we have decided to take. And I think in the long run, it will absolutely maintain public confidence in the vaccine. Um, has there been, Elizabeth, any reports of clots uh, in, in Ireland? Uh, so no. And also, can I just put the numbers into context for your listeners? Because it's very important that if anybody is listening who has had the AstraZeneca vaccine, they should not be in any way worried by this. So there have been, as of this morning, 17 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine administered worldwide. 
17 million, a lot of numbers. And of those, we're talking about a number of blood clotting events being reported of about 40, over 17 million. Now, blood clotting events are incredibly common anyway. So now that we're in these huge, big numbers of people being administered the vaccine, the likelihood of somebody having a health event after administration of the vaccine that has nothing to do with the vaccine is now increased. So we just need to confirm that these health events are not associated with the vaccine. And so, then- yeah, so it's to confirm that, while unfortunate that it happened, it would have occurred regardless of whether regardless the person got the, va- yeah. the vaccine. Okay, what, exactly. what causes, what are the main causes of clots? What are the main causes? Blood clots now. I'm a member of the pathology department okay. at UCC. This is our bread and butter. Okay. <laughs> this is what we teach our, teach our medical students. So, I mean, there's a lot of causes of blood clots. I mean, a lot of it might be associated with the older generation. We talk about um, deep vein thrombosis that would happen. That's a, that's a blood clot can happen in your veins and that can happen to people after, say, they've had an operation and they are immobile in bed. And so, you know, we, there's, this, uh, there's a policy of getting, getting people up and walking after they've had an operation to ensure that the blood clot doesn't happen. And also your listeners would probably be familiar with uh, deep vein thrombosis happening on flights as well. Uh, there's no reason to associate thrombolytic events with, um, with vaccination. Okay, we were told there was about 30,000, I think, were expected to be administered to the AstraZeneca uh, this week. So they're the ones who will be mainly impacted this week. Yeah, that's my understanding as well. And of course, we were low on doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine as well. So um, this hopefully will not impair our rollout too much. Um, so, I mean, I would be confident Professor Karina Butler of, of NIAC, the National Immunisation Committee, said that she hoped that this would all be resolved by Friday. And I would also be hopeful that we would have some clarity on this on Friday uh, in order to be able to pick up the vaccination campaign with the AstraZeneca vaccine again as of next week. OK, a, cu- a couple of listeners in with questions. I, 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 the main people are looking for advice on those that have already received their first dose of AstraZeneca. Do they need to be worried in any way? Absolutely not. Nope. And let's just go back to those numbers again. So we're talking 40 cases of blood clotting events, over 17 million doses of vaccine. There and, there, and the WHO and the European Medicines Agency are still stating, as are AstraZeneca, that there is no association between blood clotting and this vaccine. And that will absolutely remain. We're just pausing while we confirm that that is indeed still the case. So there is no cause for people to be worried. Uh, Regarding their second dose of the vaccine, I understand that NIAC are waiting for advice from the European Medicines Agency as to what they should do there. But there was a nice long gap between those two doses. Um, I think it's three months or something, isn't it, 12 weeks? it can be up to three months without any bother. So the data between on that AstraZeneca vaccine of getting the second dose up to three months after the first dose, you actually get a splendid immune response uh, up to three months after, and that data is there. So there's no concern for the people who've had dose one and also there's no drop in their immune response over any delay that might happen over there having their second dose. Okay, she, I don't know if you can answer this or whether Sheila needs to go to her own GP or consultant. Sheila has a blood problem in which she has a high-tech injection every week and is on a tablet every day for her blood platelets. She would be fearful of taking the AstraZeneca. What would your advice be? 
I, she should absolutely talk Talks to her to, GP. But yeah. again, let's just get back to the safety issue. This is a very safe and effective vaccine. There is no safety issue associated with this vaccine. We're just temporarily pausing to confirm that. Will this decision affect the rollout for the over 70s? So um, we've only just uh, agreed to administer the uh, vaccine to the over 70s. So uh, as of this week, it didn't make any format. Uh, My understanding is it it, it still hadn't been included in our vaccination campaign for the over 70s who were being administered the Pfizer-BioNTech anyway due to our NIAC's decision to wait for more data regarding the AstraZeneca vaccine and the over 70s and how efficient that is. And the good news is that it's very efficient um, and, and very efficacious in that cohort. And we have that data now. But so we weren't, so our, the, our setup was still very much focused on administering the Pfizer-BioNTech to the over 70s. So I would hope that it won't impair so that, that yeah, much. So if you have an appointment, uh, you can go ahead and, and turn off. Absolutely go ahead. And, and, it is so important that and we keep putting these vaccines into arms. We've we've spoken so many times, uh, Elizabeth, since the vaccine rollout of the sense of excitement and almost party mood when, when somebody's going along to a vaccination centre or to their GP practice. Absolutely. It's just great, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you still, you still, I still can't believe, you know, I've been, a, I've been for, you know, researching immunology now for 12, 15, 20 years. It's hard to remember. <laughs> and and I can't, I can't, there's nothing so wonderful as this, this phase where we have managed to develop these incredible vaccines in such a short, short space of time. And these vaccines that are safe and effective um, and, and will, in the long run, allow us all to get back to normal and allow us to go for a pint, which I think is all anybody wants at this point. And we're really starting to see the effect of it in real time with countries like Israel and, and just across the water in the United Kingdom because they vaccinated so many people and you were already starting to see just how effective these vaccines are. Yeah, absolutely. And the data that's coming out of Israel and indeed out of Public Health England, because they have vaccinated a huge number of people as well, um, is just it's just remarkable. It's just excellent. So what we talk about is real world efficaciousness of the vaccine. So, you know, every all, all the companies do their clinical trial, normally around about forty to 60,000 people. And we all know now how good those clinical trials were. But then you're just waiting to see how good the vaccines are in what we call this real world population. And it's, you know, the data is just excellent. The data coming out of Israel on how good the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine is, it's just fabulous. So very good uh, protection uh, 100% protection against hospitalisation and death, 90% effective against um, uh, disease on, and and also this remarkable drop in transmission as well. So a real chance for people to get back to normal. OK, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, I mean, that's the one now people are saying will be the game changer. <laughs> Every vaccine's been a game changer, though, you know. So the Johnson Johnson's a little bit different um, because it can be uh, not just stored at four degrees, the same as the AstraZeneca vaccine, but also it's a one-shot vaccine. So I think that that's going to have a huge impact in third world countries, in developing countries. It's going to be incredibly useful for rural settings. Even, for example, I mean, I know 
um, some of our GPs on the islands um, off, the, off the coast of Ireland have been talking about how hard it is for them to get the vaccine. Mm. So things like the Johnson Johnson vaccine will really have an impact even for us in our rural settings, you know. Yeah, and I know we've had a few listeners contact us who are looking after an elderly parent uh, housebound and trying to get the GP to come yeah. to deliver the vaccine there's been an issue uh, with the Pfizer and the Moderna so yeah so Johnson 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 will, will be there. Johnson yeah another great vaccine yeah. yeah really really good news just more good news on this front the AstraZeneca event is all about ensuring and continuing to maintain public confidence in the vaccination campaign it would be very very difficult for us to you know so here is something happening that other countries are reporting this is the correct approach we'll just pause it gather the information, ensure that it is safe and then restart the vaccination. And that way we can continue to maintain public confidence because only by getting as many people vaccinated will we generate this thing called herd immunity, which means that we can all resume normal activities, even those people who can't get vaccinated due to health reasons. How long do you expect we'll have to wait to hear? <laughs> About... so. I. Professor Karina Butler, who's chair of NIAC, said that she hoped towards the end of the week. Okay, all right. Um, and I would be hopeful on that. I, you know, they paused, AstraZeneca paused their clinical trial in December um, because there was a report of one adverse event during their clinical trial. This is not an unusual occurrence. So they paused their clinical trial, they reviewed all their data, and then they resumed their clinical trial, having confirmed that there was no association with the adverse event in the vaccine. Okay, so it, do, it, do, it, it does happen it even does in trial happen. stage. It does happen, absolutely. It does happen, and there is no... This is still a safe and effective vaccine. We are just pausing to be able to confirm that that is still the which it is. Okay, on that positive note we'll leave it Elizabeth. Thank you for Thank that. You. A pleasure talking to you. Bye. Thanks for joining us. That is Dr Elizabeth uh, Brint who is immunologist working out of University uh, College Cork. Some of your thoughts, 1850 just wondering there, did the people that got the clots uh, die? As far as I know there was only one. It was one of the first ones in Austria, uh, others has been clotting events, but as far as I know, it was it was only one that uh, passed away. Uh, and hi, Patricia. This on the AstraZeneca vaccine. My son is fifty two. My daughter is fifty four. They're both living in the United Kingdom. They both got their vaccines in London on Saturday. I, their mother here in Ireland, at seventy five. No sign yet of me getting it. Would I take it? Of course I would take it, says this texter. And they, I, I saw on the weekend there's a, you can go online if you live in the United Kingdom. I think it's the same for Northern Ireland. If you're over there at the stage now where they're vaccinating the healthy over 50s, you don't have to have any health conditions at all. And certainly for someone like that, the mum at home, a 75 year old waiting to get her vaccine and her two children at 52 and 54 already have their first. Patricia, will the over 70s get the Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine? The reason I'm asking is my mother is over the age of 70 and she is also a dialysis 
dialysis patient. Well, leaving aside what we were just talking about with the pausing of the AstraZeneca vaccine, last Friday, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, NIAC, recommended that the AstraZeneca could now be used for the over 70s because when AstraZeneca arrived on our shores, it was NIAC who said it, it wasn't to be given to the over 70s. They were waiting for more data. So they've, they have received and they've reviewed all of the data and last Friday they said it is now safe to give to the over uh, 70s. Um, the AstraZeneca up to now about 100,000 people in that age group over 70s, mainly in the over 85s and some of the over 80s had been vaccinated but, they, but it was mainly the Pfizer vaccine was been given to the over 80s and the over 85s but there's close to half a million people in the third cohort which is the people aged 70 and over to be vaccinated so NIAC made the decision that it would be okay for the over 70s to get the AstraZeneca van- vaccine as well. Now obviously that's not going to happen this week and I don't think anyone was scheduled in the over 70s category to get the AstraZeneca and at the moment it's paused so it's not been given to to anyone. So I don't know if your mother has been called yet but if she has been called certainly for this week then it it looks like it is the Pfizer vaccine or maybe Moderna but more than likely the Pfizer vaccine is the one that she is going to get. Thank you for your text and someone else says I got my vaccine at CIT on Saturday it was excellently run everybody's so kind, everybody's so efficient thanking you. That's Dr Mike Thompson from Immokilly who has joined us on many many occasions in the programme he was the first guy to join us when we were, he did a flu vaccine a drive-through flu vaccine way before we ever had a vaccine for COVID and he set up a drive-through flu vaccine which worked really well the only thing is he had to shut it down because he couldn't get enough vaccines to administer and he's the guy who heads up the vaccination that's been running at the CIT what's no longer CIT I keep, what's it called? M Munster I keep getting is it MUT it's called anyway we will continue to call it CIT I think for another while out in Bishopstown and they've been running clinics and they've been running them every Saturday and it's people from mainly the East Cork area I think some people from the city are going as well and it's where GP practice all bodied up together and they've had they have these special Saturdays and everybody turns up and it's a it's a vaccine centre is set up so good to know that it is running so efficiently and how well you were looked after. Dr Mike and his team are a terrific bunch and they'll be delighted to hear that you took time out to contact us. So thank you for that to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie While COVID numbers continue to fall, according to the Taoiseach Lear Varadkar, the possibility of overseas travel this year will depend on data and he believes the summer will be a domestic tourist season. So where does that leave people who postponed last year's holiday to this year? With words of advice, I'm joined by Pat Dawson of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Did many people choose to transfer last year's holiday to a date this year, believing this will be all gone away in 2021 and I'll be able to head off to sunny climes next year? There did indeed, and all 400,000 of them approximately, Patricia, moved from uh, last year to this year, and um, particularly in the summer months, June, July and August. Uh, so they all moved. Uh, they had to pay uh, certain fees to move, be it from airlines or cruises or whatever it was. Uh, there, there was there's two things when it comes to uh, changing. One is a, a change fee, which the airlines just take, and the other is if there's a fair difference. 
and uh, airlines or whatever did uh, let go the fare, the uh, moving fee, but the charge of the, the fare changed. So many families paid, and we had loads of loads of complaints about this right towards the end of last year. Uh, six, seven, eight hundred euros to move a family from last year to this year. And uh, at the moment, uh, I mean, I've, I'm a bit more optimistic than the Taoiseach, uh, but I'm, I'm not an expert. But certainly, you know, and it's all vaccinated related, as you know, uh, and how that goes. So we, we might get the back end of, 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 of the summer out of it if, if we're lucky. But people say who thought May, June and July... She will be well out of it. They'll be well out of it, yeah, indeed. And they will have to, they will have to, uh, they will have to change because if they cancel, uh, they, they will lose everything. Now we're we're talking to the government, and we've spoken to the department. Uh, we spoke to them last year about it, last June, and and we're, we're in constant contact with them about it again. And we see can we get the legislation. Uh, changed here in Ireland because the government did cancel flights over the Christmas uh, period to stop the number of people coming in. And certainly, you know, the problem with the legislation is is, is that, you know, like you have on one hand the government saying that you and I can't go anywhere. And that's that's fine. And, and the health authorities, um, we have to take the cognizance and, and behave ourselves. But, but on the other hand, then, the airplanes are flying. The people can't go. But yet the airlines keep the money, which is a crazy, crazy situation, a crazy legislation. Uh, OK, it wasn't written in uh, pandemic times, but ha- having said all of that, you know, you know, actions needs to be done to change this really, really crazy phenomenon. Yeah, what, what you're talking about are these ghost flights. And I remember last year thinking, was this an urban myth? Were airlines actually doing that? There was, were they actually sending the planes out empty rather than give people the refunds? Yes, well, you see, the, again, the one breaking the law, that has to be said. But what, what happens is, you know, people couldn't get on an airplane because they weren't allowed to get on an airplane. Yeah. So if, if the airlines cancel the flight, they must refund the money. Yeah. But- so, so therefore, it, it, but they didn't. They flew because it was cheaper fly. And, you know, they were there at the time. Uh, and I have to say, Ryanair were the worst. Their lingus were much better. Uh, they're the two big ones out of Ireland. But they were 70 or 80% full. So they were making money once they flew. But if they didn't fly, the, the money went back to the consumer. So it was cheaper to send out an empty flight than to Absol- refund, refund a- the money. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, and so well, unfair I, on the consumer. Shocking. And I mean, I, I know airplanes flew and, and loads of people... I remember talking on airways and talking to us. Uh, there was 15, 20, 30 people on airplanes and they have a capacity of 189 seats. Mm. But, uh, but, but you see, it was all bottom line stuff uh, and it was there to, to uh, sort of make sure that the airlines, in particular Ryanair, because we'd often trouble over, over that, but they weren't breaking the law. They were just looking at the economics of it, uh, and somebody said, "Well, look at if we cancel this, we're going to lose more and more millions. So let's fly." So your message to the government is the law needs to be changed. Absolutely, absolutely, and and, and the government are are aware of it. And uh, you know, we've been talking to ministers, and we met the minister for transport, uh, uh, Minister Ryan, a couple of weeks ago. We had that on the agenda. We've asked him. 
uh, to look at that and it is an urgent matter and, and certainly we cannot put these consumers uh, through this. I mean, people are booked with travel agents and we're trying to keep them abreast of people. People who are not booked, I, I don't know what they're doing about it or what they can do about it. But certainly, no matter where they're booked, uh, we're working on their behalf to try and get it corrected. OK, but, uh, but for people who haven't booked, your advice is don't book at the moment. Well, at the moment, and not until, I mean, you can, what I would say, Patricia, is that if your terms and conditions are that if anything happens and it, it doesn't fly or it doesn't cruise or it doesn't whatever else, and you're guaranteed your, all your money back, you're okay, right? Once you're guaranteed all your money back, but certainly I wouldn't be booking in, in May, June to July at the moment. No, absolutely not. And I would certainly hold fire because the biggest problem, of course, is that, that there's a huge pent-up demand for when this thing uh, clears up, hopefully, the back end of the season. And one thing we have to remember, and it's very important, I mean, in, involved in, in, in the aviation and the hospitality, I mean, there's 400,000 jobs at stake. So we have to be doing everything in our powers to get that industry back up and running uh, safely, of course. And, and we think of our, our airport, Cork Airport, which is vital to the community here is vital to industry, it's vital to, you know, to hotels, restaurants, bars, or bed and breakfasts, it's vital to the economy. And we have to protect our airport. And, I mean, the government has, has to be fair, given some funding to do it. But it can't go on forever. And, and certainly, you know, about, you know, paying attention to rules and regulations. All of this goes down to, you know, what we do out there. And with numbers going up again, it is frustrating a lot of us. And we really, like, like the government, appeal to everybody, please, please, you know, the country's at stake here for and let's do the right thing. And yeah, particularly this week with St. Patrick saying the weather's going to be good and there's talks of another protest in Dublin. I mean, they can become super spreader events very quickly. Very, 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 very quickly. And, and remember, smaller airports, We'll, we'll get a lot more hurt than than a big airport. So the likes of Cork, Shannon and Knock airports are the ones that really are suffering because the, the, the first uh, airports people will use, like as in airlines, they'll come back to the big airports first because that's where the numbers are. So it's vitally important when people, you know, are, are thinking about not behaving the, the health rules that you're affecting hundreds and thousands of livelihoods and, and let's all act responsible, particularly, as you say, Patricia, over, over the coming weeks. OK, and a couple of people asking the same question about a vaccine passport. Does Pat Dawson feel when everyone is fully vac- vaccinated, will there be a vaccine passport and will you have to have it to get on a plane? Well, I think there will be as such to rules and regulations and, and uh, all our European friends, which we're, we're on, on the particular boards of the, of the ECTA, which is all the European travel agents and tour operators. And, and certainly, I mean, their, their plan is to have a recovery plan. There, there will be travel restrictions and vaccinations or health certificates. They will be calm. But I was teasing, Patricia, in my mind, they are not talking about travel, but I was saying, well, look at, uh, those of us uh, over 65, and we said there's a million of us uh, vaccinated. So we're all vaccinated, sitting in our houses now. Can I go out uh, for a pint uh, and let my, my uh, son, who's 30-odd years of age, has he to stay at home? So th- that's a big, big question. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'd be a million and a half people vaccinated ASAP. So can we go and help support our restaurants, support our bars, support our hotels? 
and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's a question. And I really think the government has to be looking what we'll be, do, we'll be doing in the next four or five months, not next week. And that plan of, of, that plan of getting out of this must be worked on and we're ready to go. But that's a big question I'd love to know. Like, what will those people who are vaccinated, will they be allowed support to restaurant, bars, hotels? And will they be allowed uh, normal times back to them? And there'd be another two million or whatever who have to wait their turn. And that's a big question. Yeah. Okay. And the mandatory quarantining in the hotels, are you in favour of, of those and people coming in and out the country? I, I am really. I mean, I am really. But, but there, there, is, there is a myth about the travel. I mean, figures I have, like for currently at the moment, there are 7,588 cases. 45 were those who were travel related, which is 0.59%. Today, uh, 273,000 people uh, forced got COVID, 1,100 travel-related, and that's 0.49. So we have to put this in perspective, and travel has been demonised. But unfortunately, it's us, us citizens in this country who are spreading it in big numbers. Yeah, but all so it have- takes is somebody to come from overseas with a, 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 very, a new variant of COVID-19 and bring it onto our shores and if they don't quarantine that one person will then go to will spread it on and then okay then it's we the people will spread it to each other that's the yeah, danger well I mean there is a, everyone was coming in now that they all have to have a PCR test yeah, now yeah, yeah. you can't get on an airplane in Spain or wherever it is and 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 and, and which travel. should have happened ages ago. Which should have, yeah, should we, have been introduced we, ages ago. Ages ago, and we, okay. we spoke we spoke about that. And one other point, Patricia, is that remember that in Northern Ireland they're opening up flights at the end of May, early June, as such. So we we'll have thousands of people from the south, particularly the border areas, and, and a lot of people will be travelling uh, out of Dublin to go out of Belfast. And we're just wondering, again, we put this to, we're speaking to Mr. Minister McGrath, uh, who gave us a very, very good he- hearing on Friday. And we're saying, well, are they ready? What's going to happen to those thousands of people with, with Dublin and Southern airports closed and with three airports open in the north? What's going to happen with 500 kilometres of a border? Yeah, That's another big question. Who's checking that? All right, Pat, listen, thank you for that. Stay safe and thanks for thank joining you. us. Good morning to you. That is Pat Dawson of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Last week on the programme, we mentioned that meat plants right around the country were rolling out antigen tests for their workers and many listeners felt that more companies should be doing the same thing so that both staff and customers can feel protected. Well, we've discovered that Inchidani Island Lodge and Spa are regularly using COVID rapid antigen testing on their staff and to find out more I'm joined by the hotel's owner Des O'Dowd. Good morning to you Des. Morning Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and and you're welcome to the programme. When did you. you start to use antigen tests at Inchidani? Uh, we've started to use them since January this year. And how did staff react to the testing? Um, great, great. We've had great reaction. Um, people, uh, I think they appreciate, first of all, that that it's something that um, we're spending money on to keep them safe, uh, or to try and you know to try and provide a safe workplace. Um, I think, particularly in January, when there was you know there was a lot of COVID around and people were very conscious of it. Um, it was a nice relief for them to to get you know to get that good news um and 
and it has it's gone very well. So yeah, I think they can see that we're acting as a responsible employer. Well we, done, well done. And how does it, how, is it a blood? Is it a saliva test? How does it work? Um, it's similar to the PCR test. It's um, it's up the nostril. Um, not very comfortable. Nobody's, okay. nobody's looking forward to it. <laughs> um, but uh, and then we get the results within fifteen minutes. So my wife is a GP nurse, so she comes and she uh, does the testing. We test. Uh, now we have we we still have fifty people full time employed, so we test everybody once every four weeks, and then we have uh, we have a food truck which is um, open since the beginning of February. We're testing the guys who are in that once a week, and then we have a few chefs who are involved in um, takeout at weekends, and we're testing those every week as well. Well done, that, that is that is terrific. Goodness, fifty staff. That's I mean because the hotel is closed, isn't it at the moment? It is closed, but uh, like we would employ probably you know one hundred and seventy or eighty staff year round, really. Um, so we have fifty full time staff that we've kept on um, at you know on full wage. We think as a responsible employer that, you know, these are people who've been working for us for many, many years um, and we've taken the decision to to not put them on the PUP. Um, like this has dragged on, you know, since October. Um, we were hoping that we'd get open again after Christmas and we'd have a couple of busy weeks and that we'd have, you know, a four-week lockdown in January, maybe six weeks if things are really bad. Um, but it is just, you know, I think the, the new uh, UK variant has really changed the whole picture for everybody and it's more much more difficult to plan. But I suppose at least uh, our staff don't have to worry about their, their mortgages and their car loans. Well done. They have it, at least they have that financial security. Nobody, though, Des, could have predicted that it was going to go Nobody on could. as as, as long as no, no. So, with the actual physical hotel closed, you st- are you still doing takeaway food or takeaway drinks? We're doing takeaway food since uh, Valentine's uh, at weekends. We're, do- we're not doing takeaway drinks. We have food truck, which is doing teas and coffees. We have, you know, the phones are busy. People make inquiries about the weekend, uh, about the summer. So we have people on reception. We have, you know, security. We have people here 24 hours a day. It's a big building. We need to make sure it's secure. We have people, you know, like the taps need to be run. The showers need to be run. You know, we can't uh, allow the building to fall into mm. disrepair. So we do have people in the building, but, uh, you know, people are uh, working probably two shifts a week, maybe three shifts a week. Um, depending on what what we what the requirement of, but we are very careful about you know who's in the building, you know, limiting the number of people in the building and social distancing and wearing masks and and the antigen testing is something we would see like the mask wearing and the hand washing. It's just one of the tools that are available to try and you know keep people safe. We did have one test that came back positive. We immediately. Um, got that person in touch with the HSE. They had one of the HSE tests and it was confirmed as positive. Um, they isolated, their family were tested and thank goodness were found to be negative. But, um, you know, so we, I, I, you know, I would hope that we blocked that that chain of transmission yeah, so that, that shows, it didn't it just shows how you know, exactly those um, antigen tests it's, it's just another tool in the toolbox it's that's a, exactly they, it, you know, they, so if you can break down some of those chains of transmission you know that maybe that stopped us from getting into the hotel um, and you know in, in amongst the staff population where you know you know who knows 
where it's going to go next. You know, it's a, it, it, we don't we we know so little about how this virus moves and you know predicting where it's going to go. But but at least we we blo- broke that. Well, we know how infectious the UK one is, that one person can bring it home and then it it spreads out. Will you you continue with antigen testing when you're open and back up and running fully? Yeah, that's the plan. Is it okay? Yeah, but like we don't know, you know, know, the thing is, we don't know what we're going to face in a week's time or a month's time. You know, this thing is changing rapidly. Uh, the whole environment is changing in front of our eyes all the time. So uh, at, at the moment, we're very happy with it and we will continue with it. With it. Um, and uh, But, you know, like when we opened first last year, the HSE weren't giving us clear direction on face masks. And so when we opened, you know, I don't. we weren't wearing face masks, but within two or three weeks, we were wearing face masks. But, you know, uh, who knows what we'll be doing by the time we get open, um, or what you know what what the state of play will be then. But we'll the principle will be that we'll be doing everything to keep our staff and our customers safe. And you have no idea, you've no of when you will reopen. Um, we don't have any idea. Like if if Michal Martin is saying that he'll have eighty uh, percent of the population have uh, at least one. Uh, jab of a vaccine by the end of May I think you'll find it hard to keep the population at bay yeah. at that yeah. stage um, so uh, that's kind of about where we have it in our heads if it's earlier great if it's later okay we'll just have to deal with it but um, it's all about the vaccine rollout and and then whatever other spanners that get thrown in the works between now and then And are you taking bookings for the summer? Oh yeah the summer's like you know people people would have been ringing since you know December January for the summer, um, so the you know July and August would be very heavily booked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people need something to look forward. And to. they need something keep, to look forward. Keep to. saying yeah. that. I yeah. keep saying yeah. that. Yeah. Um, couple of people saying say uh, and, what? And, and like and I would say like we have had brilliant support, Patricia. Brilliant support. Brilliant. People buying vouchers. People, you know, messages of support, and you know that has been you know a huge help to morale when you're rattling around an empty hotel. It must be eerie down there with no with nobody there, an empty hotel. It is it is, yeah, it is it's eerie, it's eerie. But I think at least, you know, the I would say the end is kind of in sight. Yeah. You know, we closed uh, this time last year. Um and you know, it, it, the the lockdown then was very, very severe. There was but you know, we had no notion of what was going to happen about vaccines or timing or, you know, what was so it was, yeah, and it was that, that that was very that was much more scary, I think. Okay, Lucy says, well done to Inchidani. It's good to know uh, an employer protecting uh, their staff. And Mary says, I work in a pharmaceutical company in Cork. We start antigen testing tomorrow. All of the staff are delighted. Much more should be uh, doing it. Okay, listen, Des, thank you for that. Thanks Stay very safe. Much. Take care. And uh, we'll we'll speak again. Thanks a million. That is uh, Des O'Dowd of the the wonderful Inchidani Island. Lodge and Spa. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me just stay on the topic of vaccines uh, for, a, for a moment because Anne has contacted us. Anne was due to receive her vaccination this Friday, but she has now cancelled the jab uh, because of all the worry over the vaccines. She said, I'm nearly sick with worry. And now she's wondering, can she go back later in the year or next year and get her vaccine? Ah, uh, breaks my heart, Anne, to hear that you got your date and that because of worry you have decided to cancel it. And the thing is, the vaccine that you would be getting on Friday, I'm 
assuming you're in the over 70s category would have been the Pfizer uh, the Pfizer or the Moderna one it wouldn't have been the AstraZeneca one which is the one that's been queried at the moment but I can understand people just get really really concerned what I would suggest you do is just put a call through to your GP talk to your vaccine and life will start to get back to some kind of normality now on the topic when we had uh, Dr Elizabeth from UCC on trying to explain what's going on with AstraZeneca and also we brought her on to try to allay exactly from Anne's point of view people's fears and concerns when they hear that there's something wrong with one of the vaccines some of your thoughts uh, coming in Patricia it's almost two weeks since we first heard on breaking news of a death in Austria and more very sick why was it kept quiet until now I know several people that got sick and had bad headaches after the vaccine why are they not letting people know well people getting sick are feeling sick are getting a headache or feeling tired or a pain in their arm from where the injection went in they're one of the very very common side effects and they pass after a few days others say they got the vaccine no side effects at all obviously the clotting one is a much more serious one but I don't think anybody was keeping it quiet we knew from as soon as Austria came out with the news that they were querying something was wrong and they were one of the first to temporary pause giving out the AstraZeneca. I don't think anybody is hiding any of the information. And then another listener says, Dr Liz, on your programme uh, spoke about the four clots. The four clots are much more serious than she is saying. The clots were brain related. She seems to be dismissing any danger even before verification. Of course these events are linked to the vaccine. These cases were young people under 50 and that to me is where the re worry is. Well that's it's the main reason that NIAC our immunisation committee who oversees the rollout, it's the main reason that they decided to pause the vaccine was because of the cases that came out of Norway and it was the Norwegian Medicine Agency they had these four cases in three adults, they were all healthcare workers, all aged under 50 all ended up being hospitalised either for bleeding, blood cuts or a low count of blood platelets and health experts there said it was unusual symptoms and because of that they thought could it be linked to the fact that they had had their vaccines and that's why they decided to temporarily pause as well and other com- countries followed a suit. Now as I mentioned Austria was the first to report uh, a death uh, and Denmark also suspended AstraZeneca for two weeks. They had a six-year-old woman who was given a vaccine from the same batch that was used in the Austria one and she also formed a blood clot and uh, passed uh, away. But what all the experts are saying and all of the medicines boards and everybody now looking, including AstraZeneca themselves, going back to look at what could be this possible link, they're all pointing out that the the clotting events that have happened in these vaccinated people, they're no higher than in the general population. So what they now need to do and review is, was it just very unfortunate and was it just a coincidence that this clotting event happened at the time of the vaccine? If the person hadn't have had the vaccine, would they have had this clotting event? Uh, Because they say it's no more higher than in the general population. And more than 11 million doses of AstraZeneca have been administered in the United Kingdom and it hasn't reported any higher than normal rate of uh, blood clots so as some would say is this overreaction no it's just good surveillance and I think you know I welcome this kind of surveillance that they're not brushing things under the carpet and when it looks like there could be something there 
let's everybody take a breather, take a break, let's pause at it, let's look at it and that's exactly what they're doing at the moment and we will await the expert advice to see where we go from here. Because somebody else says, does your, does your guest, that was um, uh, Dr Elizabeth Bright from UCC, uh, does your guest know what a, a contradiction it is to say there's no safety problems, we are pausing to confirm, uh, confirm that. Well that's exactly what they have to do. They're trying to make sure that there isn't any safety problems so they're pausing it at the moment. Thank you all for your texts on that and just stay on vaccine because somebody else says Patricia just to let you know my sister received a text on Friday inviting her to book her appointment for vaccines, asking her for her PPI number, her age, her email details, her address. And uh, she and Breitha says, I'm waiting to hear from her today to check in with her GP because she was fearful that it was some kind of a scam because there was a link with it, which unfortunately my sister opened. Now we know that there was scams going around about vaccines. But Breitha, let me know when your sister gets on to the GP because I was speaking with somebody in a different part of the country over the weekend who got a very similar text message from a GP practice and again was nervous about it, but checked it out. And yes, it was the doctor. It was the doctor actually contacting them. So I think some of the GP practices are doing it this this way to speed up getting the appointments done. So let us know how your sister gets on with that. We were discussing flights and people leaving the country and not leaving the country in the last hour. A listener says, Patricia, on the subject of flights, that gentleman you'd on, there was Pat Dawson of the Irish Travel Agents Association, uh, is so correct. I remember once we missed a flight through no fault of our own. It was a timing uh, issue. But when, but So we had to rebook another flight with Aer Lingus. They had lots of empty seats on the next flight and they charged us massive money for the flights. It was uh, shocking. Wow. Yeah, that's very annoying if you get on and there isn't. It's different if it was a fully booked flight and you got the last two seats. Even though I remember something similar happening with us coming back on one of those awful long haul flights from Australia where you are just hanging with the tiredness and the last leg of our flight was from Heathrow to into Cork and we arrived now our flight coming from Australia was delayed slightly but then there was an, an issue when we got off the flight getting to the next terminal and by the time we got to the next uh, to the terminal that we needed to get on the Cork flight uh, they told us it was too late even though the flight hadn't left yet but this guy on the Aer Lingus desk persuaded us it, it was gone but I found out afterwards it wasn't so then we had to wait four hours for the next flight but there was no additional charge but it was just the waiting when you're that exhausted and all you want to do is fall into your bed but but it is frustrating if you put onto a flight and you and you feel like you're ripped off almost isn't that the sort of the, the feeling about it okay some thank you for your text other texts in can you tell me please how dog grooming is considered essential when I can't go and get my own hair done. Well, dog grooming is only essential if it's an animal rights, if it's an, you know, an, an animal issue. You know, the animal is in pain and has to be trimmed or the hair has to be cut or whatever. I don't think general dog grooming is going on that you can't just bring your pooch in because you want him looking good on Sunday. There has to be a genuine reason for it. But yes, you could say there's a genuine reason why I want to get my hair done as well but at the moment no and we're looking like it will be into April before even could be into May before we're able to get the Gruiga done again Hi Patricia when I see the amount of people who are complete strangers around where I live, I am convinced that things are going to go back to the same sorry state we were in again with regards to the virus. Yesterday, for example, I saw a crowd of people who couldn't have all been from the same family, all sitting on a wall, waiting for their orders from the local fish and chip 
shop. No social distancing from any of them. It's the same in supermarkets. Children and husbands now seem to be going in. It seems to be a family day out with the mothers and the wives all walking around without a care in the world. I think it should be only one person per trolley in my opinion. I was actually scared going in last Friday to my local supermarket. I couldn't wait to get out. So much so that I forgot some of the items I actually needed. The super- I feel, says this listener, that the supermarkets have far too many people inside. People have completely lost lost it. When is it going to end? Uh, take care. My only suggestion to you with the supermarkets is there there shouldn't be a situation that they're, they should be still counting the number of people in and most of them have this traffic light system so it counts, it's electronically counting the number of people in and the number of people going out. I always say to people if you go to a supermarket and you think it's too busy, just leave your basket, leave your trolley and come back. Maybe go earlier in the morning and maybe go later in the evening when it is going to be uh, quieter and my ultimate piece of advice so that you don't have that situation where you go in and in a panic then you forget half the things bring a shopping list uh, with you because then what happens if you don't get everything you have to go back out again and that's an, a needless uh, journey and particularly if you're feeling nervous about being in there and Anne is very much with that texter saying Patricia I was in a big supermarket store at the weekend and I would have been safe running an aeroplane supermarket was very crowded I felt will you please tell all food retailers to bring back the me- measures that would there during the first lockdown where they were allowing only 50 customers into the store, one in, one out. Plus there was only one allowed per family, one on the trolley. It is gone crazy. We'll be in lockdown well into the summer at this rate, says Anne. And I have seen signs in a number of supermarkets where they ask people to please only have one person per trolley. I don't know if any supermarket is actually enforcing it. Certainly during the first lockdown, some supermarkets were enforcing it in that they would have a security person at the door or a member of management or a staff member at the door saying to people, we're only allowing one person per trolley. But has that slipped a little bit? Mm, think it has. I think I think I would have to agree. I have noticed that in the supermarket. I'm always in there on my own, but I have noticed that there are. You might have a husband and a wife together, and I'm not talking about a frail elderly person that might need a little bit of help. I'm talking about young couples, and I certainly have seen families in there with children as well. And listen, you can have a young mother who's got no other choice but to bring her children with them. But when you see ma- the mother and the father and the two or three children with them, you're kind of thinking one person could have stayed at home and one person could have headed out uh, to do the shopping here. 1850 And Mary says by WhatsApp. Morning Patricia, hope you had a lovely Mother's Day. Do you know I did? I did. It was different to normal. Didn't get to meet up with my gorgeous son like we normally do. We were just saying yesterday it's the second Mother's Day now that we've missed. We normally all meet and go for Mother's Day lunch and my mother-in-law comes with us as well and my son's wife is with us and it's all the mothers celebrating together and it's one of those lovely occasions that we look forward to and I've got some gorgeous photographs over the years. It's always been a beautiful day weather-wise and and uh, yeah, so it's the second year we haven't been able to meet up, but I still had a lovely day. I I, I enjoyed it, and I, I was spoiled, which was which is, and I was looked after, which was the which was the which was nice. And I hope that happened with all of the mothers as well out there. Anyway, back to Mary's text. Text just two things, says our Mary. That's been on my mind over the weekend. First of all, I am sickened by the amount of betting companies advertising on television, especially at times when younger people are watching, and it is making the impression that gambling is exciting and is. Attractive. 
attractive. It makes me fearful that young people or indeed any age group can get sucked into gambling with horrific results. Another thing I think about is that there has been a lot of discussion and, and ads aimed at physical and mental abuse of women. Haven't heard of any discussion on abuse perpetrated towards men since lockdown began. I would love to hear from some organisation, for example, like Amen, who support men who are victims of domestic abuse, abuse, as to how many men have reached out to them since lockdown. We all know that men are slower to discuss abuse, especially if the abuse is at the hands of a female uh, partner, says Mary. And you are right. And actually, Mary, when I was reading your WhatsApp just there before news at 11, I we had an ad here on for domestic violence and there has been an increase in domestic violence perpetrated towards women and it's only right that we highlight it and we tell women that there's help out there as well. But Mary is right. We've no way of knowing how much abuse is perpetrated towards men. So I've said it to John Paul and we'll do our best to see if we can get men who are a great group on uh, to join us on the programme just so that we can speak and maybe get that message out to any men listening who are victims of domestic abuse because sadly it does happen the other way around as well. But on your earlier, your first point in your text Mary, we must be great minds think alike and all that because only yesterday I verbalised the fact of why are we seeing so many betting ads on TV and these betting ads you know to get you to go online you don't need to gone are the days where you had to go down and wait for the betting shop to open and you could only place your bet inside in the betting shop you can now be gambling 24 hours a day in the comfort of your own home inside in your own bedroom with nobody else in the household aware of what you were doing on your phone or your iPad or your laptop and people are getting into huge financial difficulties and family members unaware of it and the implications of that kind of debt has a knock-on effect just to the person gambling but to everybody else in the household as well. So you're right, Mary. I agree with you. I certainly have seen it. Have any? Have anybody else, or myself and Mary on our own on this one, have you noticed an increase in the number of ads for people to sign up with betting companies or to download betting apps and all of that and per se there's nothing wrong with those betting companies they're not doing anything illegal and most people can take to betting and just have a couple of bets and it's a little bit of fun but for others who can get sucked into that world that appears to be so exciting and attractive and they can get so sucked in and addicted before they even realise how deep they're in Thank you Mary for your text to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Top line, Murphy and O'Connor, they're in Bantry. They are looking for a sales assistant, while Kinsale Dental, they're looking for a dental nurse. An Arctic driver is wanted, that's for container transport, and they're based in Tivoli Docks. And Dukon Concrete are looking for a mechanical fitter with post-apprenticeship experience and exposure, please, to plant maintenance. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. cmig.ie. Now, my next guest was one of the earliest COVID cases in the country and Aoife Moore, mum of two young children, is still experiencing intense systems, symptoms one year after her initial diagnosis. Diagnosis. She's one of the many who is suffering from what is called long COVID. And I'm delighted to say Aoife Moore joins me. Good morning to you, Aoife. Good morning, Patricia. 
and you are very welcome. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you, yeah. Can you okay, hear you? Uh, you're very, I, I, I'll just get John Paul to come in because you're very low on this side. I'm, I'm certainly hearing you okay, but it is rather low. So if we can just turn you up a little bit. Okay, all right, listen, I suppose let's start at the beginning, uh, Aoife. This time last year, we were coming up to St. Patrick's Day. It was on St. Patrick's Day that you started getting symptoms. What symptoms did you actually get? Um, it was actually just before, it was a weekend just before St. Patrick's Day. So it was uh, Friday the 13th. It was the first day that the schools were closed. Um, there was no there was no deaths in Ireland at the time. There's only 90 cases in, 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 the, in the east. There was nothing in the west. And then I started feeling unwell. I started just, I thought I had, uh, my kids had uh, tonsillitis and I thought I was coming down with that. Um, just feeling really unwell. Um, the weekend I was really cold. I just couldn't get warm. And then the day before St. Patrick's Day, that's when the cough started. And uh, that was unmistakable. So I kind of describe it like um, kind of like a a grating cough, like your lungs were on fire, like they were being grated. Um, Did you know immediately I'm in trouble here? This is COVID. I mean, you kind of say to yourself, like, am I being overdramatic here? Is this, you know, is probably chest infection is probably, you know, the dose the kids had. Um, But I did feel like it was something that I haven't had before, you know, Um, and I was worried. So I went to my GP, well, I called the GP, but obviously they didn't have an appointment on that Monday. The next day was uh, St. Patrick's Day, so I had to wait until the day after. Uh, at the time, people were still going into the GP. I know it's on the phone now. Um, and I went in and he was kind of like, I, it, you know, it's highly unlikely. You haven't, you're not a healthcare worker. You haven't been anywhere unusual, um, been abroad or been in contact with anyone with it. So it's highly unlikely that you do have it. Um, but I'll send you for a test anyway. Um, at the time, there was huge delays in getting tests. So he sent me for a test uh, that was on the 18th, the day after St. Patrick's Day. I didn't actually get the test until the 25th of March. And then I know. And then I didn't get the results because they were sending them off to Germany. I believe there was a delay in getting the results back. I didn't get the results until the 8th of April. So you're looking at almost a month from the onset of you know, symptoms to, to when I actually got the, the positive diagnosis. And how were you feeling um, during all of that time? Uh, I have to say the first three weeks were probably the most harrowing of it all. Um, they were, uh, I, I felt like I was in and out of consciousness. I didn't feel like I was asleep or awake. Um, my husband was very worried about me. Before my test, he actually brought me back into the doctor and he, he was he just bundled me into the car, two kids in the back and just said, you have to do something. There's, you know, she's, she's not right. Um, and I just was, the cough was relentless. Um, you kind of would feel shaky all over. Um, you just had aches and pains everywhere, especially in all your joints. And it was just really, as I said, I felt like I was in and out of consciousness, so I wasn't really fully aware of it all the time. Um, my husband would come up and he would, um, you know, give me two paracetamol or whatever. And uh, then a half an hour later, he'd come up with tea and toast, just to try and get something into me or soup or whatever. Um, really really unwell it was scary it really was scary um at one point um i was i was lucky enough in that when i did go into that doctor just before i got the test which kind of did put my mind at ease they they checked my o2 uh, levels and they were okay 
So, you know, my lungs were young and strong, I suppose. Thank God. So um, on the 8th exactly. of April, on the 8th of April, when you get the results to say, you know, hi Eva, you're COVID positive. Uh, at that stage, where were you symptoms wise? Um, I was still bedbound. I was still coughing um, and, and really badly as well. And um, we still had aches and pains everywhere. And I was kind of asking, well, how, how long more is this going to, to last? And they said, there's there's no reason medically why you shouldn't recover from this. And just maybe you got a bad, bad bout and it's just going to take a little bit longer. Um, and so it just went on. Now you have to remember the whole time is that I was asking, am I now, you know, because it's a month later, am I now, you know, I, know, I still have the symptoms, but am I still contagious? And uh, they couldn't answer that at the time. And so they were like, you need to continue to self-isolate. So this whole time we're in complete lockdown. As in, we're not leaving our house at all. We're getting uh, friends and family are dropping things to the shed and we're we're taking them in that way. We're not um, going to the supermarket or anything. We're not going anywhere. And that went on for another month. And, and eventually we just had to you know, call them back and say, can, can I get tested again to see if I have any active virus? Because I still have the symptoms. Um, but, I, I, you know, we need to be able to go to the shop. We need to be able to, you know, go go get medicine if we need to get medicine or whatever the case may be and so on the 19th of may then i got tested again and it came back as negative so even though i still had severe symptoms i'd say i still had severe symptoms um up until midsummer and then it kind of eased and did anybody else in the house get it no no No. thankfully thankfully um you know and i i don't know I would imagine they were asymptomatic. I imagine that they did have it and they just had very mild, if any, symptoms because it, I just don't know how it would have been possible for my husband not to get it. Do you know what I mean? Because he was my main carer, yeah. so he had to come in to me. Do you know what I mean? Um, the kids, you know, it was it was really hard on the kids because my my son last year, he got diagnosed with autism. He's three, uh, four, four this very soon, actually. Um, and he... You know, I was his main person and next thing you know, I disappear off the, the face of the earth, um, you know, for effectively for a month. And that was that was particularly hard on him. You know, he regressed a little bit and, you know, it was it was tough to hear, you know, your kid crying for you and, and you can't. And you can't get out of bed to go to go and see him. And at, at yeah. was there a point where you started thinking, is this ever going to go away? Yeah, um, I suppose that like the doctors keep saying there's there's no reason why you shouldn't and kind of like you know it's a it's a long drawn out obviously post-viral symptoms that you have and they kind of said this could be your summer so i i almost kind of put the head down and said right if i get through the summer you know i'll start feeling better in september and i didn't in fact i probably pushed myself too far and i had what i what we consider a relapse in september where it kind of feels like you're getting similar symptoms to what it was like at the start and you kind of get that kind of oh god am i get you know People are saying I'm getting uh, infected with COVID twice. It's more than likely it's just, a, you know, what I consider to be a reactivation within your body of the symptoms. Um, and I was just pretty bad in September. And then it just, you know, I, I kind of went to my doctor and said, look, I'm trying everything. I'm taking all the vitamins and minerals. I'm, you know, getting acupuncture. I'm doing restorative Pilates. I'm trying to kind of, you know, build up my muscles and, and things like that. Um balancing between doing too much or too little um but you know nothing is it's not going away so 
she said, OK, I'm going to refer you on to a rheumatologist because pain at, the, at that time was probably the worst pain and the, and the chronic fatigue, um, which kind of go hand in hand, because the way I describe chronic fatigue is that if you had to keep your two hands out in front of you, eventually, no matter how fit you are, you're going to have aches in your muscles and you're going to want to drop your hands. And that's what chronic fatigue feels like. And so you get that muscle. It's a whole body thing. And you get that muscle pain, especially for me in my in my legs. And um, so she referred me on to a rheumatologist because I did have swelling and things like that. But then you're waiting three months to see a rheumatologist. And the situation is now I'm waiting to see I've, I've had a video call with a respiratory consultant because I, the cough never leaves you. Um, it gets better and it, you, you know, it, it definitely isn't. But if I laugh too much or if, like something really funny on TV or if I cry too hard, I'll get a coughing fit. And it's that awful chest pain that you get again. And it's just... Uh, just you know, sounds it's horrendous. It just sounds yeah. horrendous. And is it because it's all so new that nobody really knows how to deal with you, how to treat you, you know, what treatments, what services? Is there anything available to you? Well, you see, this is the thing is that, um, and I suppose that the reason that I, you know, kind of getting the word out there about long COVID is because, you know, we don't have any kind of what we can what we would need is really a, like a multidisciplinary nationwide COVID clinics is what we need. Um, and we don't have anything like that. The only COVID clinics that there are in the country, I believe there are two in Cork. There's one or, um, and there's a few in Dublin. Uh, some of the ones in Dublin are only if you were hospitalized with COVID. Can you go to those clinics? I wasn't hospitalized, so I thank God go to those clinics. Uh, thank God, exactly. Um, but I can't get any, you know, help now because I didn't go to those to those clinics. But there is one now that's after opening that I believe is in Tala that I believe is open. But you're um, in but Galway. Again, you have to. I know that's why we need it nationwide. Like the GPs, they're fantastic and they're they're the first kind of line of defence. But they don't have any uh, procedures or strategies on how to treat their patients. Um, they don't really know where to go. They just have to kind of look at you and go, right, okay, this is your main symptom. I think you should go here, there and everywhere. Um, and they refer you and then you're three, you know, three months plus waiting um, to get seen. And then with lockdown, um, like I once, my respiratory consultant and my rheumatologist, they both want to do a CT scan on my chest. They want to bring me in and do a few tests. But because I'm not seen as a as an urgent case, and I understand it too, because I know the health service is under under a lot of pressure. I'm not seen as urgent, therefore I'm not, um, my appointments are pushed out and out and out. I have an immune, uh, immunologist uh, appointment uh, for the immunology clinic in Galway and that's pushed out because again, it's seen as, uh, you know, I'm just being investigated, they're just tests, you know, they know my diagnosis, they don't need to do that. So it's just that the GPs are the first line of defense, but they don't, ha- they don't know what to do. And then, um, you know, there's nowhere where you go in. Like a lot of people are getting, for me, my heart. Okay, we're on. Uh, we're on a call. Me, uh, we may need to uh, get Aoife back again because where she is in Galway, we couldn't have her on her mobile phone because she's got no mobile signal. She's got really good broadband. So that's why we're using this uh, call me app instead which works perfectly when broadband is working perfectly it works perfectly but every now and again it can just go down uh, like that is um, are we back let me just check and see are we back with you Aoife no I see uh, John Paul is trying to uh, get get through to her but she's painting a really 
tough, tough life for somebody, you know, a young mother with two children who was leading a, such an active life. It is just incredible how she can be left so debilitated a year on after having uh, COVID. And as we know, the condition is called long COVID, but it's what, what is now needed and is one of the reasons that IFA is going public is that the government and the Department of Health and the HSE need to start setting up some kind of you know, disciplinary post-COVID clinics and they need to be operated all over the country you know not just one here in Cork or one in Dublin uh, they, uh, you're back with the CIFA you are you're, hello can you hear I me am, yeah, yeah you, you, you're Hi, back yeah, yeah I was just having a bit of a rant on your behalf saying it's just incredible <laughs> and I can see listeners saying that poor girl somebody says it's just incredible have you any idea or, or is, is there are there any numbers on how many people are possibly suffering from long COVID well, I suppose this is the interesting kind of um, thing in it is that I suppose nobody, there's no definitive study in Ireland, really, or no, ex, you know, very large study in Ireland. But from what we know from other studies, we'll say, for example, in the UK, they did a, there was a sample size of 8,200 uh, people. And they roughly said that um, 20% of people could have long lasting symptoms. Um, so, you know, if we look, if we apply those statistics to Ireland, you're looking at, I think, about 225,000. Um, That's a lot of people. And so, sorry, 225,000 people have tested positive. So if, if you look at 20% of that, that's 45,000 people in Ireland. Um, and so it's, like, it's very much a, lot a, of people. It's a cautionary tale as well, Aoife, to people who very naively, stupidly and dare I say ignorantly believe, I'm sure I don't care about getting COVID. I'm young. If I get it, I'll be fine. It'll only be like a flu. You have no way of knowing yeah. when you get COVID what the long term implications are. Well, that's it. That's exactly it. You just you don't know how your body's going to react to it. If you think you're. You know, you're it's not it doesn't matter what kind of person you are. If you say, oh, I'm very strong, I can weather anything. Uh, you know, that's got nothing to do with it. It effect, it, it doesn't discriminate, um, you know, and, and you don't know how your body's going to react to it. And I suppose like for me, it affects every single part of, of my life. You know, my, my you know, it affects you, you know, mentally and emotionally. You know, these four walls in my bedroom are kind of, you know, and my cat. That's 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 my day, you know, most days. And what um, was life you know, like for Aoife Moore before COVID? I was kind of uh, always constantly busy, always doing something and always have a million things, you know, in the air. And that's been something really hard to kind of pare back on. I've had to, you know, I can never accept that this is the way my life is going to be. But I've had to accept that I, I cannot physically do the things that I used to be able to do. So I've had to drop things. So I, I you know... I was involved in working with Erin um, Darcy, who released a book in her shoes, and I was uh, managing her. And I've just had to basically kind of, you know, step back from that role. I've had, you know, I've been involved in various committees uh, on a voluntary basis. Um, direct Provision Kids Club we used to fundraise for for kids in direct provision. I've had to step back from that. Um, I was always doing something, always busy, always on the go, and I've completely had to just kind of you know, put my recovery first, which means, you know, putting a lot of other people second. And unfortunately, the person who who's most affected is my husband, you know, and my kids. You know, he used to be my, 
you know, partner in crime. He's, you know, we were a team and now he's effectively my carer. My God, it's um, tough going. It's tough going with two little kids as well. Well, that's it. Like he has to do the school run. He works from home. He was a software engineer. He works from home, you know, but he has to do the dinner. He does the cleaning. You know, it's just kind of all on his shoulders, you know, and. Um, and where do you go to for support outside of your husband and family? Um, I do have, uh, you know, my, my mother and my sister, and I also have a fantastic tribe of women who are, are really good friends, um, you know, and they kind of keep you going. You know, they still ask, you know, how you're doing, even though the, the answer doesn't really change. And so, you know, that's that's kind of good. Um, I remember that my doctor referred me for the HSC um, counselling service, which is a service that was available for people who had COVID. And uh, it was referred back in September and that's just come through now. So, um, you know, there's major delays there, whatever else. So I do have that that counselling service as an option. Um, that Facebook group that was set up? Yeah, the Facebook group is the, probably the biggest one is uh, Long COVID um, Ireland. So it's it got, there's about 1,600 people on there currently at the moment. And I would really kind of urge any listeners who, who have you know, long COVID symptoms or even if they've just been diagnosed with with, um, COVID because there is a document on there that's the first 30 days and kind of things that you can do and things that will help you. Um, Because like that, you don't know if you're going to be one of those people. I really hope you're not, but you don't know. Um, So long COVID cases, um, Ireland, it's a Facebook group and it's it's run by Claire Toomey and uh, she set it up, I think, last summer. Um, and it's just a place where you can kind of go to where people, other people who have it, who get it, you know, and who can kind of say, you know, they, they're kind of like a, a support kind of, you know, they understand, I suppose, because they're going through the exact same thing. And if, you know, they have any helpful tips, tips or anything like that, you know, that's where you can get some, some information. Um, so I think that's that's a you know a really important resource. We're so lucky. Yeah, and 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 that's your message to people this morning, Aoife, is to reach out. How, what's the name of that Facebook group? Um, it's uh, Long COVID Ireland. Long COVID Ireland. Okay, but yeah, but it is important. It. They have a website and they have Twitter, but I think it's Facebook is really that they're. Okay, because because I'm sure there are times and have been times during the year where it's almost like that's why I'm so glad to hear you're going for counselling. Where you must think I'm going off my head. How can I still be feeling this unwell when everybody else seems to be bouncing back? Oh yeah, hundred percent. You're kind of like going, you know. The thing is, though, it is a very physical thing. It is there is very real symptoms. Do you know what I mean? So it's not, um, you know, I have done that that thing where I kind of push myself. To kind of go snap out of this you're okay you're fine you have to be fine by now you know and you kind of m- make yourself do things um and then you get a relapse and you're you're in bed for a week and it's just it's not worth it do you know what i mean um so it's learning learning to live with it and learning to know what what is too far and what's not enough and it's you know it is it is mentally and mentally emotionally it's it's hard it's tough you know, it's physically hard. It's, it affects everything. It affects your relationships, affects your financial situation. Like I will try almost anything to see if that'll help my symptoms at all, you know. Um, 
Yeah. Well, hang in there, hang in there. You're, and you're a great advocate on behalf of other people because there will be many others who will be sitting at home saying that's exactly what I'm going through. Uh, but you've articulated it uh, so well. Stay safe, uh, Aoife. Uh, we do wish you, you the speediest much. of recoveries. And thanks a million for joining us and sharing your story with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. That is uh, Aoife Moore, a young mother from Galway, just sharing her experience of what it is like to live with uh, long uh, COVID. Sounds horrendous. 1850-333-103. And by the way, to the couple of people who were on to us about getting a text message from the doctor, and of course we're also fearful of the amount of scams that are doing the rounds at the moment, and this was a text message from their GP about getting their vaccine. Hi Patricia, I got one of those texts from my doctor in Mallow on Friday night. I checked with the doctor this morning and it is genuine. Isn't it amazing how people are just not clicking straight away when they see a text come in? And Breathe who kicked this off this morning because her sister got the text but they were looking for her her PPS number her age email details and that just made Breathe a little bit nervous so the sister was waiting to ring the doctors this morning Breathe has been on to say uh, but yes the text inviting my sister to register for the vaccine was genuine the surgery issued them late Friday night so just to let other people know but if you're anyway nervous anyway concerned and it doesn't look like it has come from your GP practice do exactly what those ladies did you wait until the GP practice is open and then you ring them on the number that you normally ring them on and make be 100% sure before you click on any link or give out any kind of information 1850 333 103 Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I just clear up a couple of items actually that came in last week and last Friday actually and we were waiting on responses. One was to do with a listener who had contacted us from 
was it the Formoy area we knew? Yeah, Katie in Formoy, who got a letter into her house asking her to read her electricity meter. And Katie was of the view that the letter stated that there will be no more meter readings and you have to read them all yourself instead. And she was wondering, uh, where do you get the key to open the box in order to read the meter? So we got onto ESB Networks because it's ESB Networks are responsible for the reading of meters for everybody, regardless of who you get your electricity from. And they tell us during lockdown, obviously, they weren't reading meters, but they have recommenced meter reading and they recommenced it actually on the 8th of uh, March with all meter readers, read, readers obviously adhering to COVID-19 guidelines. Now, they say, as always, if a homeowner, oh, homeowner doesn't want their meter read at this time, customers are invited to submit their, re, their meter data online. It's always been the case, not even just with uh, COVID. ESB Networks only issue letters, and I'm assuming this is the letter that Katie got, to customers where there has been a, what they deem a long-term no access. That's where they've been unable to read the meter for more than 12 months. And obviously that household then has been getting estimated bills for the last 12 months. When that case arrives, ESB Networks send a letter and they ask the customer to please submit a meter reading or they'll organise for a meter reader visit and they feel that this may be the case for the customer now with the the COVID anniversary. The uh, meters they say will continue to be read up to four times a year so they're not stopping reading meters Uh, so you, 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 you normally will get four meter readings a year and then two are estimated and that's the way it's been for for many, many years. Now they do tell us that the installation of the smart meters that will significantly reduce the need for estimated bills and in relation to keys, when Katie said what do you do to get the key to open the box ESB networks unfortunately do not supply keys for the meter reading boxes but they say they can be typically sourced from hardware and building supply stores but they will continue to read your meter because somebody else was worried about the people that read the meter would they be losing their jobs but no they're and they're back out now since the start of March reading meters again and then Veronica was on to us from Mitchellstown and she was in a bit of a dizzy because she said the post box on the Clonmel Road in Mitchellstown simply disappeared, vanished overnight. She said the post box was a freestanding post box, it wasn't on a wall and it's disappeared and she said they, they, they didn't even put a sign up to say on such and such a date we are removing this box which she felt they should have done. Now she said you have to go into the centre of town in order to post. It was always a very handy post box as people were able to park nearby and people didn't have to double park. So we got on Tom Post to say why has the post box on the Cork Road in Mitchellstown why has it vanished and why didn't you let the good people in Mitchellstown know that you were taking the post box away? On Post have come back to say the post box and an accompanying drop box which which I'm told is a closed post box used to facilitate local deliveries are attached to the side of a premises where building slash renovation work is about to commence. The box was removed to enable the work to go ahead and it will be restored as soon as it's complete. As regards the posting of a warning notice, the circumstances of the removal made it impossible to give advanced notice and there was a practical difficulty as the post box space was about to become a focus of the building work. They would, on post though, would like to apologise to any any of their, their customers who have been inconvenienced by this. But as soon as that building work and the renovation work is finished, that post box that people like so much on the Clonmel Road in Richestown, they will replace it. So thank you for that. 1850 And then remember I was talking about some people were getting text messages from their doctor about 
signing up for a vaccine and people didn't know whether it was a scam and it turned out no it was genuinely coming from their GP practice well Mary and Mallow was on uh, to say that you do have to register to receive the vaccine for the over 70s Mary said we were told that the doctors would contact us but now I know of people whereby the doctor rang them to say you need to download a form first before you be called for your vaccine but we were never told about this form and this again is for the over 70s but you've, you've answered your You've answered your query in your statement, Mary. The doctor did contact you. You don't contact the doctor until the doctor knows that they are ready or nearly ready to give you your your vaccine. And then I don't know if this is across all GP practices or whether it's just some of the ones in Mallow. The doctors will ask you to fill in a form online and that's just to get all the paperwork out of the way. That just speeds up the process of the vaccination rather than somebody coming in and all the forms have to be filled and you can imagine the delay then. And remember, all of the GP practices are trying to get as as soon as their vaccines come in, they're trying to get them into people's arms and they're trying to keep that flow of people getting vaccinated and, and keep it up as quickly as possible. So I'm assuming... Now I'm open to correction. I'm assuming that the majority of GP practices are asking people where they can to go online, download a form, fill it in or else fill it in online. I don't see anything wrong with that. But you do get contacted by your doctor, Mary. You don't download the form and then send it off to the doctor. The doctor will point you in the direction of where the phone is or where the form is and when it is your turn to go for your vaccine. And Hannah in Cecilstown was on to us about a completely different issue to say she topped up her mobile phone with Air on Friday. She bought the Air credit in a local shop text the number as you meant to do but it never topped up she never you know you get a text back to say you've you've topped up so she said her phone wasn't topped up so she rang air to say what has happened and they said could you ever tweet us about that please because our customer care team are all working from home i'm not on twitter says our Hannah in Cecilton. So I'm stuck in limbo. Now John Paul is very kindly contacting Air uh, on behalf of Hannah. That's again, that is so frustrating when companies do things like that where they assume everyone is on uh, Twitter or they assume everyone has access to, to online. And it's more and more, almost on a daily basis, we're hearing from different companies, even the local doctor asking somebody to download a form. Maybe not everyone is able to download a form. And I suppose they assume that if you're not able to do it yourself, that you'll have a loved one who will be able to do it and the majority of us do have somebody that will be able to help us out but not everyone has somebody who will be able to help us out I'm very much aware of that as well so we'll, we'll try and get that uh, sorted out there 1850 I can see questions coming in for Annalise can you keep those coming please uh, because she will be joining us later on in this hour I also have an expert on boilers coming on if you have a problem with your boiler and your heating system if, if, if you've got any questions get them into us on that as well we'll be going there in just a moment but I want to take a quick look at some other of your texts coming in a lot of people reacting to Aoife Moore talking to us from Galway with the long Covid people saying that poor poor girl hi Patricia says somebody else listening to that lady was very hard how is she saying so positive it's beyond me one year on and no way forward anyone still denying that this virus exists needs to walk 
not even a mile, but needs to walk in her shoes for a day. She and those like her are in our prayers. God bless her. Thank you for that. That's a, a nice, nice thought. And Rose says it's unbelievable. The influx into West Cork of people from outside the area. Dublin and Cork are not five kilometres from Skull, Rose would like to point out. She says it's the very same as last year. We will have no hope of controlling the virus if people already are breaching the five kilometre rule. Uh, Patricia, I feel we've been badly let down by our system and by the government. Dublin Airport seems to be as busy. Well, it's not as busy as last year, but there's still people flying in. Another point you're making. People are holidaying in the sun and then coming back into the airport and then travelling on and travelling down here to us in Cork. God knows what they are bringing with them. Uh, I think the government need to do more to straighten this uh, out. Hi, Patricia. Two weeks ago, I got my vaccine from a lovely nurse at my GP practice and on leaving I was handed a little package with a few chocolate sweets in it and the next next day I got a call from my GP just to make sure everything was okay isn't that wonderful it was the Rye Court Clinic what a wonderful doctor and staff and the, I know there's a Rye Court Clinic in Cladov is unfortunately the listener hasn't put where the Rye Court Clinic is but I'm assuming it's the Rye Court Court Clinic in Cladov. If it is and anyone's listening or if anybody's going into the right Court Clinic today tell them that we were talking about them and tell them that we mentioned what a wonderful doctor and staff are there. Well done. On betting, when we mentioned betting earlier on, Patricia, the betting ads are not just on TV but they're online as well. By the lorry load, YouTube is full of them. You are spot on sadly. So many people are getting sucked in and getting addicted to betting at the moment. On people worried about the number of people in supermarkets, signs are no good in supermarkets. There are signs up for example, telling customers, please don't flick through the newspapers and the magazines. But guess what? People are still doing it. They're ignorant as ever. Someone else says our government needs to get on to the Russians and bring in the Sputnik 5 uh, vaccine. They are too slow with everything that they are doing. Our airports and our ports are still open. Where are our hotels for quarantines? They've been talking about that for so long and they're still not up and running. How come everything can be done so efficiently in other countries like New Zealand and Australia and yet we seem to be on a go slow in this country they need to cut the bull and get on with our vaccination Michael says Patricia I didn't hear your interview about the AstraZeneca we had a leading immunologist on from uh, UCC but anyway Michael says but what really concerns me about the vaccine in this case uh, is how about is how about eight countries have stopped using it and at the same time we in this country decided it would be suitable for the over 70s I actually find that statement quite bizarre I really feel this vaccine has issues and will unfortunately dent people's confidence by the way I'm very much pro-vaccine says Michael someone else says how do you know after your vaccine whether a headache is not just a headache or it's not just a brain brain clot and is it only after the AstraZeneca jab that allegedly not above is now having not normal blood clots or is it happening with other vaccines Uh, are they having the same side effect of course it's very concerning and it points the finger at the AstraZeneca vaccine for these extra clots it's only AstraZeneca that's linked to this particular concern that we have at the moment and somebody who has a daughter a scientist in the family says I'm not anti-vaccine but I'm very concerned about the safety being put down our throat even though they do not have enough evidence or time to say that they're not causing problems I have my concerns 
And Patricia, now that the AstraZeneca vaccine has been paused, why aren't our leading scientists taking it as seriously as Dr. Luke O'Neill on your news there at 12 o'clock, saying there is no link and is now only putting the 30,000 people who should have been vaccinated this week more at risk by not getting them vaccinated. Surely that is telling us that these people who got the blood clots in the brain and sadly one who died does not matter. If they're saying it will be rolled out by the end of the week and didn't cancel these appointments, what is that telling us? They will pause it and then find no connection. Think back to the swine flu vaccine. They they denied everything and see the problems that caused and people ended up suing the manufacturer and one people having concerns about vaccines. And this one made me smile from Stephanie's Patricia, my friend in Germany sent me a German newspaper article saying there is a shortage of Guinness, especially a lot of back orders of the draft Guinness in cans. The Guinness representative in Germany says there are problems with deliveries at the moment. Stephanie says dot 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 lockdown. We're drinking it all here ourselves and could that be the reason that there is a supply issue to Germany? I don't know. I have no idea if that's what it is or not. Thanks for your text Stephanie. Somebody else says by the way Patricia dog grooming is going on. Is it not just going on for an animal welfare issue is it open to everyone? I was I didn't think it was open to everyone but may, maybe it is. And the final one from Michael in Castletown Bear says Patricia hi my source tell me that the AstraZeneca vaccine is perfectly safe and the reason I'm informed of after effects are that it works harder on the immune system on the younger people and it protects them better than seniors thanking you and that's from Michael OK a look at some of your thoughts coming into us today keep your questions coming in please for Annalise Drissel our nutritional therapist 1850 333 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie. Carrigaline Toastmasters, they're celebrating their 25th anniversary. They're doing it virtually by Zoom tonight at 8 o'clock. You can register for the event on eventbrite.ie or follow Carrigaline Toastmasters on social media. Anam Cara, the national organisation providing support, information and resources to bereaved parents. They're asking for your support by walking in your own St. Patrick's Day Parade within your 5k. Upload your photo to their Twitter or Insta account and donate through justgiving.com forward slash campaign forward slash 17th of March. And McCroom will launch their St. Patrick's Day virtual celebration on Facebook on St. Patrick's Day when their final video tribute to frontline workers will go live at 10am. Follow the McCroom St. Patrick's Day virtual celebration 2021 Facebook page and the, for, for, for memories and previous St. Patrick's Day celebrations. And Bantry are holding a drive parade on St. Patrick's Day. They're asking everyone to dress up in Bantry in Irish colours. Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. We all like our homes to be toasty and warm, but sometimes it's our heating systems that can let us down. So, to talk about boiler efficiency, I'm joined by Nick Phelan of Firebird, uh, who uh, is a manufacturing plant that has been in the heart of the Gwaeltoc outside McCroom uh, for over 30 years. Good morning to you, Nick. How are you? I'm very well. You're welcome to the programme. If a boiler isn't working efficiently, Nick, am I right in thinking that it adds to our heating costs? That's that's correct, Patricia. 
Yeah, if, if a boiler is not working uh, efficiently, it means that it's going to reduce the efficiency of the boiler. So what would happen is um, you could have a, a higher running cost on it and you could uh, maximise the efficiency of the boiler. It also could prevent breakdowns um, on the system. So it is very important to make sure you do get the boiler service yearly protect the boiler and you should get the, the good returns back from it. And that has to be done every single year? It's it's best to do it every every year. Um, it is best to do it every year. But it's also, if you are getting your boiler service, it's well worth of looking to get an uh, off-tech installer to, to, to maintain the boiler for you to, to maximise the efficiency on it. OK, and it doesn't matter what time of the year you get it done? Generally, the summer months is the best time because you don't rely on the heating as much during the, the summer months. So the summer months is usually the best time to, to service the boiler and to maintain the boiler. Um, other other things you should watch out for is the fluent on the boiler and the the, the, the full operating of, of the system. OK, are there things then we can be doing ourselves at home outside of, you get your annual service done, some people then would tend to just to forget about it until next year, till the boiler serviced, needs servicing again. What can we do in the meantime? Yeah, so as as a homeowner, what you could do is simply, you can, um, 70% of the Irish homes are pressurised systems today. So you can check the pressure within the system. Now, the pressure gauges are usually in your hot press or, say, close to the boiler or uh, in the utility room. So the pressure should be between one and one and a half bar. So it's very important that, that you do have pressure within the system, so it maximises the heat and transfers the heat properly through the through the system. Other little tips: um, what you can do is, if you radiators, so if you have trapped air within the radiators, you're not going to produce enough of heat into the room. So it is important that you do bleed out the radiators. Um, and even to give to give you a little idea, what you could do is you could rub your hand through the radiator if you feel hot spots. Um, at the the bottom of the radiator, the top of the radiator is cold. That's you a common you, one. Yeah, you know you have uh, air in the radiator. Also, in reverse, if the bottom of the radiator is cold and the top is warm, it could actually mean that you have sludge or dirt within the system. So the same thing applies. You need to get your installer in, get it flushed out to maximise the efficiency back in the system. Okay, you talk about something called balance the radiators. Yeah, so when balancing the radiators is, uh, usually the, the 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 radiators close to the boiler are are more efficient than the ones further away from the home. So what you do is you adjust the settings on the radi- on the radiators by your installer will come in. He reduce the the flow rate going through the radiator, he, uh, and maximise the efficiency to the back of the the property. Okay, and then an obvious one that we all should be doing is is lagging the pipes, and probably now as we're coming out of winter, now is that, that that's kind of work that could be done now, isn't it? And, and heading into the summertime. Yeah, and it's pretty cheap and simple to do. Um, any DIY store or merchant will have lagging in. So yeah, have 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 a look through the system, your attic, and um, you know the the exposed pipe works to prevent pipes from freezing when you come back into the winter months. And uh, same outside in your boiler. So you do, per, you know, to protect the lag and to maximise the efficiency on, on the system. OK, a listener has a question to say, I have a 20-year-old 
boiler. It's a beauty when in full operation mode. However, it cuts in and out sometimes. When we open the door about two to three inches, it works perfectly. Why is this? Could your expert help us out, uh, please? We've replaced the burner and various other parts to try to solve the problem, but none of this works. Opening the door to give it a bit of a draft is the only way it'll work. Why is this? Yeah, it's what what we do is uh, ventilation is very important for the room. So what I would say is get your uh, installer out, have a look at the correct uh, amounts of ventilation required for the room. If if you don't have the correct ventilation, it is uh, very dangerous within the room. Make sure you do have a carbon monoxide alarm within the room. So, and um, but you do, you do ventilation is is important to have. Actually, there's a lot of ads on at the moment about uh, carbon monoxide. It seems to me every time I switch on the TV, that one with the canary seems to be on. Uh, it's important to have, if you don't have a carbon monoxide alarm, install one. But if you do have it, to check it. Yeah, and you're checking the batteries. You know, you should check them twice a year. Replace the batteries and, you know, and just make sure that it is right. The other thing which you've got to be careful of, your flu terminal when it leaves the, 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 the building and goes to outside. Make sure you have no restrictions or anything in, fl- in front of the flu. Otherwise, uh, you could return the gas back into the property and you don't want to be doing that. OK, and we are heading into the summer months and hopefully we won't be, there won't be the need to use the heating uh, as much. Is it OK just to leave the boiler off for the entire summer months? Is there anything we should be doing? No, what, what I would say is if you could run the boiler at least once a month for 30 minutes, uh, there's a lot of movable parts in it, which is the burner. Uh, you have the zone controls, the circulating pumps and solenoid valves within the system. So all these components do need to be uh, move movable over the summer months. You don't want them to seize up um, when you do need them at most coming into the winter months. So it is it is important to uh, to run the boiler for thirty at least 30 minutes once a month to protect it. Someone says a big mistake a lot of people make in homes is having curtains covering their radiators. It's blocking a lot of the heat. Yeah, and what you would find from that, uh, in general, there'd be thermostatic radiator valves on the system. So if the radiator valves are um, protected and with the the curtain in in, in front of it, you can actually reduce the heat back into the room. So what you'd find is you'll have... uh, colder rooms and this could be due to curtains or furniture um, in front of the in front of the, the, the radiator. Okay and I suppose as, as an expert in, in what you do uh, Nick, the one piece of advice never try to fix or repair a boiler yourself. Yeah look at it it's, it's you know boilers are similar to cars you know that they do need to be maintained, they do need to be looked over um, you do need to service them yearly and it's very important that you do get a, an off-take engineer to look over your boiler. They will give you uh, a printout, an analysm printout to know that uh, you are getting the maximum efficiency out of the boiler um, from, from it at any time. OK, and as we are heading into the summer months and we're all looking forward to a long, hot summer, can I say, if people are thinking of upgrading or changing their boiler, now is probably the best time, is it, as we go into the summer months to get that kind of work done? Yeah, look, if you if you are uh, going to upgrade it, yeah, the summer months, it's obviously the, the weather outside. You don't require the heat as much. Uh, the, and the, to, to do it correctly, what you should do is is get 
uh, your local installer to come in to check over the system, let him size the, the boiler to correct uh, kilowatts required for the property. You don't want to oversize it because you reduce the efficiency of the boiler. So it is very important uh, to size correctly. The summer months in general is the best time to do this work. So you are ready for the winter months when it comes through. Okay, Nora's in a rented property and there's a very big stove. She says there's a disc or a clock at the side of the stove which is set between three and four. She finds that the radiators never get very hot. She's wondering, should she turn up the dial on that clock? Yeah, uh, the thermostat in the room, that would be the, the reason. So the, the reason for the, yeah, it's, it's down too low that... Um, Generally, sitting room areas would be around 20, 21 degrees. Your, your bedroom areas would be 18, 19 degrees. So it is important to uh, make sure that you do have the thermostat set up with the, the right limits on it. But you can find all this information from our website. If you uh, go onto the Firebird website, it'll give you good indications on where to, to gather all this information from and what's the, the correct temperatures per room. And what, uh, what, what it should be set at. And okay. what it should be set at. And yeah. s- somebody says, tell that man that man is Nick Phelan. I have a Firebird heating system for years and it's perfect. <laughs> okay. On that positive um, text, we'll leave it. Uh, Nick, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Okay, good morning much. to you. Bye bye. Or okay, good afternoon, bye. as it is now. That's Nick Phelan, Firebirds National Renewables Manager. 1850 333103. John Paul takes your call. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic joining me on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. I haven't pressed the button. It would really help if I pressed the button. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon, You're very welcome. And what's going to be lovely week weather-wise and we'll take that bit of sunshine. We need it because that's our entertainment. Isn't yeah, it? Going for a walk, what else will I do? Maybe go for a walk, maybe walk around the block. Maybe go for another walk. Yeah. That's, that's it. Actually, I was reading a piece on the paper today, I can't find it now, uh, where they were just saying about the one big success of social distancing and mask wearing and all of that. One of the positives in the pandemic, very few colds and flus, and it's now officially coming through that there are very few colds and flus and that Australia didn't have a flu season and obviously we watched them to see what the flu season is going to going to like uh, going to be like in Australia didn't have a flu season and we haven't had a flu season in this country either Yeah and I definitely saw that in the shop Patricia normally in winter time we sell a lot of um, cough and cold remedies for kids and flu remedies for adults and this year we have been mainly selling stress sleep anxiety and low mood remedies mm. that mm. has been what's been selling so to be perfectly honest, I'd prefer I'd prefer a bit of a cold myself. I know, I know. But, but maybe um, we can learn going forward when we get up past this pandemic, maybe we can learn going forward how, you know, yeah. cough etiquette, washing of the hands and keeping your distance when you are feeling unwell to stop the spread. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, a big part of that, Patricia, is the pressure on people to go into work when they're feeling sick. Yeah, yeah. And the pressure on parents to send their children into school when they're sick because they have to get to work themselves. So there needs to be better laws for parents around six, 
you know, sick children and taking um, time off work. And, and allowing people to work from home instead. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think we can learn a lot. Let's get straight in lots of questions. Hi, Patricia. What would Annalise rec- recommend? 12-year-old with very sore lips, cold sores, leaving a redness regularly on the top lip. It almost looks like lipstick has been uh, applied. I've tried lysine capsules. What, would, what else would Annalise recommend? Okay, well, the cold sore virus is called the herpes simplex virus and it gets passed on by somebody who has it normally when you're young and people be kissing babies and that. And that virus remains in your body all the time in a dormant form but can flare when you are tired or stressed or when your diet got bad or when you're under pressure or when you're sick if your immune system's busy fighting something else. So probably the best thing in the case for this little girl is to support her immune system. And I'm a big fan of the bio nutri elderberry complex for juniors because it has a little bit of lysine in there but it also has your vitamin d and zinc and c it has beta glucans which are brilliant for the virus fighting um, arm of the immune system and it has a little bit of elderberry extract antiviral as well so that would be a good thing to sort of boost the overall immune system and then my own favorite being a cold sore sufferer myself and just finishing one up is the um the biopropolis i think it's I think it could be Vogel, the brand, who make it. But it's a cream that you can put on and there's B propolis in it, which is the most wonderful healing substance. Um, Very, again, very good natural antiviral and bacterial. And it can take the pain out of it very quickly, improve healing times and prevent scarring. And I think that red mark that looks like lipstick is probably scarring. So the the, uh, biopropolis cream and then the Bionutri Elderberry Complex for Kids. Okay, and Chris was one of our texts in this morning saying, could Annalise please repeat the name of the osteoporosis tablet that she mentioned that helps bone growth? I don't have the internet, unfortunately, says Chris, to check it out myself. Okay, so we probably mention a couple, Patricia, all the time, and I sell a few different ones depending on people's pockets and people's, um, the, the level of osteoporosis. So if you've got full-blown osteoporosis, the best ones really, there was a great one, unfortunately, that I used to mention, the age loss bone support that's been taken off the market now. Um, They're just, you know, they're rebranding it. But the the next best one is the Nature's Plus Garden Bone Support. And that has a wonderful form of calcium in there that's very good for rebuilding bone and very, you know, doesn't contribute to um, hardening of arteries and also kidney stones. So it's a very safe form of calcium to take in a high dose. And it has got other things, including vitamin K2. So that's a great one if you've full-blown osteoporosis. It's Nature's Plus Garden Bone Support. And then there are other ones like Nature's Plus do a cheap and cheerful one that just has calcium, a uh, little bit of magnesium, vitamin D and K2. That's a great one for people who've got osteopenia and it seems to be well tolerated. But BioCare do one called um, Osteoplex, P-L-E-X. And there's another company, Viridian, do a bone support one that's excellent. So they're all very good when you're researching. Take a look at all of them. But they definitely should have vitamin D2, sorry, vitamin D3, vitamin K2, some calcium, a little bit of magnesium, ideally, and some of them will have boron and vitamin C as well. Okay. Hi, Annalise. When I bend my head, I get a terrible smell in my nose. No other symptoms. What could it be? That's when you bend down. Yeah, so I don't know, but it sounds to me like there is kind of mucus trapped in the sinus there that is infected that's creating that bad smell the other thing as well is that sometimes i think if you if you have acid coming up it can get into the back of your throat and then in your nose and that would give a very bad taste and a bad smell 
So it might be coming from the stomach, but otherwise it's coming from the sinus. So if it's from the sinus, what I would recommend you do is the neti pot. It's a kind of a saline rinse. So you can buy something called a neti pot or you can just get a saline rinse kit, which is effectively just a little plastic bottle with a nozzle. And you put in salt um, dissolved in water and you rinse it up through the sinus passages. And that's very good for clearing out old mucus and dead bacteria. The other thing that's great to do for sinus is to take oregano oil, um, which you'll get in a health store, and put a couple of drops of it into a bowl of boiling water and do a steam inhalation up through the nose. And that oregano is a great antifungal as well. So if there's fungus, which often happens, if there's candida or anything growing up in the sinal passages, it'll clear that out as well as bacteria. So that would be for the sinus. And then if you think it's coming from the stomach, you'd probably also find that maybe you might have a little bit of acid reflux. The best thing for that is probably slippery elm. And the, there's a lovely herb called Centurium, S-C, sorry, C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I-U-M. And that's great for kind of rebalancing stomach acid. So you could try that for the stomach. OK, the oregano one, because I'm a martyr for getting sinus infections, even though I haven't had one this winter, I have to say. Um, but when I get sinus infection, that steaming with the oregano oil is fantastic. It is great. Mm. And what I would caution people, though, Patricia, is that less is more with that because it could blow the head off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tiny amount. Yeah, a very interesting thing happened to one of my clients once when we did that. And she got very bad flu-like symptoms. And actually what was happening was that she had a very high level of candida in her body. Mm. And the oregano started a big die-off of the candida yeast, that, that overgrowth of yeast. And uh, she was getting the die-off symptoms. So, I mean, ultimately she felt better across the board just from the oregano. But she went in too hard at the beginning. OK, so be, be careful of that. Hi, Annelise. I'm 54-year-old and so far I've escaped any symptoms of the menopause having reached it when I was 50 as diagnosed by my GP. However, lately. I've been getting a little flushed. My face just gets red. No sweats, no panicky feelings, nothing like that. I am taking 50 milligrams of black cohosh and magnesium citrate, which helps greatly with sleep and restless legs. Is there anything else I could take, especially for the redness of the face, as it's embarrassing, especially when I'm at work? So normally one of the best things, Patricia, for the flushes and the heat and the night sweats is sage. So you can take it in a tincture or as tablets or you can get just sage tea bags and drink sage tea throughout the day. So the black cohosh herb that she mentions, a lot of women take that in menopause because it has got um, hormonal properties. So it's like plant-based hormone therapy and it helps to prop, our, prop up and rebalance our own fluctuating hormones. So um, that can work well. There are other herbs that work to rebalance and one of the safer forms um, are isoflavones, which are coming from a lot of the time linseed extract or soya extract. And again, these have mild HRT um, capabilities, so they prop up the, the, the fluctuating hormones like that. One of my favourite ones, again, this is a great company, BioNutri. Um, I'll make sure to put this up on the website later. It's BioNutri Lignin Plus, and it is a lovely um, plant natural HRT for people to take. Um, but the other very common one that you'll get in any health store is the uh, Dr. Vogel Menopause Support, it's called. 
and that's I think a combination of hibiscus and the soya their isoflavones coming from a soya source so you could try that as well Okay Katrina is messaging her dad uh, 82 year old had a knee operation last November has recovered well but the only thing now is he's got pain in the same leg but under his heel the physio has diagnosed it as plantar fasciitis he was given orthotics as his feet are flat but almost three weeks of wearing them he's still in pain in the heel he's doing exercises every day to help it he's using an ice pack on a regular basis now he does still do a bit of farming good on him and he's out in his wellies he does have the orthotics in with the wellies for a few hours a day but that probably isn't helping but at this time of the year he's no other option but to wear the wellies but when the weather gets better he will get back into boots would you have any other advice for him that seemingly that plantar fasciitis seemingly is excruciatingly painful yeah very very painful Patricia now I like I'm uh, now I wouldn't be an expert in this area as a nutritionist because that would be all I suppose chiropractors and physical therapists and physiotherapists would know an awful lot more about the muscles and and things in the body but having had what I thought was plantar fasciitis myself plantar the plantar fasciitis is a big muscle that goes kind of across the top of the foot and it can become strained so when you walk the pain is very 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 severe Um, And I took a homeopathic remedy for it called Rutagrav, R-U-T-A-G-R-A-V, and it worked for me. Um, Now, I did change shoes and I did other things as well, but I felt that that definitely worked for me. And I give it to customers sometimes. It's great for tendon and muscle damage, um, but it's very much a 50-50 benefit. Some people get absolutely no benefit at all, and some people do. So that could be one thing to try. But plantar fasciitis is that muscle, um, whereas... Often in the heel, there's something called a heel spur. That's a different thing as as far as I know. And you can also kind of get sacs that build up as a result of inflammation. And those sacs, it's like bursitis as opposed to plantar fasciitis. It's called bursitis. You can get them in the knee as well. It used to be called housemaid's knee because they mm, spent so much time, time on their knees. Um, and that's very different. So I probably recommend going back to the physio and getting work you know, getting it rechecked or getting a second opinion. Um, and then you could try the rotograph, but unfortunately, I haven't come up with a fail-safe remedy for that yet. Okay, Jim wants to know, uh, what would you recommend for a sore on the roof of his mouth? Oh, now that could, that's you see, that's a difficult one now because I don't know if it's a cold sore type of a sore, which I've seen recently. I've seen oh. people come in with cold sores on the inside of their mouth. Um, or is it a kind of an ulcer? Um, or is it because of bad fitting dentures or something? Anyway, I think maybe for all three of them, something that I would use a lot and recommend a lot, it's a great medicine cupboard one, is the colloidal silver. It comes in a spray and it's tiny, tiny microparticles of silver that's suspended in water. So remember we used to use the old mercurochrome. Yeah, I do indeed. Yeah, so this now, is it has the same fantastic disinfecting effect, but because they're such micro-micro-particles, they're not in the toxic levels that they would be in a metal. Um, so that's great for kind of disinfecting, preventing infection, and for speeding up healing. And I'd often use it on cold sores myself because it definitely speeds up the healing. And if you feel a cold sore coming on, you can use it. Um, and they're brilliant. It's brilliant for mouth ulcers. So try the colloidal silver. Um, and see how you get on with that. But the other thing then, if it is mouth ulcers, I often recommend switching toothpaste to a non-sodium laurel sulfate-based toothpaste. Okay. All right, and you'll put up all the information online later on today. Your website is healthhubstore.com. That's correct. Hey, I'm getting used to it. And if people 
people don't see the products online, Patricia, which not every single product in the shop is, tell them to call because we're very happy to pop it in the post. Okay, you're very good. Okay, listen, have a good week. Enjoy St. Patrick's Day. And uh, we'll uh, talk to Annelise next Monday. That's Annelise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. When we're talking about plantar fasciitis, somebody says that Peter Marr is a physio in Carrigaline and he is particularly good when it comes to dealing with plantar fasciitis. Thank you for that. Okay, and our apologies that we didn't get to all of your questions today. We never do. Annelise uh, is one of our uh, more exceptionally busier slots that we do every week. But that's where I have to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. On to then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Look after yourself and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.